1: Welcome back. I am Seth Liebson. As we head into hour two, our phone number six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. If you'd like to give us a call, in our index of failing cultural indicators, a headline from the Washington Post this morning. You ready for this one? Quote: A mother's charge in cowboy country. A single mother tries to raise her boy to be a good man. Close quote. I thought, oh, interesting. Cowboy ethics and manly virtues are making a comeback. Then I smelled the salts as I started reading the article. We begin with a struggling single mom, broke, previously battered by a previous boyfriend. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, the batterer was a cowboy or rancher. But no, that didn't come out quite either. Here's the first reference to cowboys in the story, beyond, of course, the headline. Quote, out here in the heart of cowboy country, she barely has any cell reception, Close quote. So, it's cowboy country, and whoa, no cell service. Here's the next reference to cowboys in the article, quote, Strict and traditional notions of manhood, she believed, were not just dangerous, but an outright lie used to control women and men alike. Nowhere did this seem more relevant than in the back roads of her home state of Wyoming, the cradle of the American cowboy, where she had seen firsthand how violence exaggerated masculinity and misogyny could reinforce one another. Close quote. Again, in a state where we think of cowboys, but still no cowboy in the story no cowboy mentioned as exaggerating masculinity or practicing misogyny or violence. Then the third reference beyond the headline, quote, strict and traditional notions of manhood, she believed, were not just dangerous, but an outright lie used to control men and women alike. Nowhere did this seem more relevant than in the back roads of her home state, the cradle where she had seen the violence and the exaggerated masculinity. Again, the cradle of the cowboy, but still no cowboy in the story. Let's cut to the chase. There is no cowboy in this one woman's sad tale of misery. Not one. We learn she was pregnant at 16. We learn she became what we now call a sex worker. And we learn that the on and off again, here today, gone tomorrow, man who most abused her and her son was, wait for it, not a cowboy, but a tattoo artist who, among other things, introduced her to heroin and fentanyl, which also became part of her life. But cowboys are the problem. Traditional men, as she puts it, are the problem. Yes, toxic, we get that word again, as in toxic masculinity, she wanted to shield her little boy from. We learn this, too, as if we didn't know. Men, not cowboys, not tattoo artists, men, in the article, we are told, are responsible for 87% of violence in this country. Still nothing about cowboys. I suppose if we want to denigrate men, sure, we've been good at that for a while, but it seems to me two things. What this woman needed was a real man, a man of classic and martial virtue, a real cowboy, not a tattoo artist or any man who impregnated and abandoned her at age 16, much less one who introduced her to fentanyl and heroin. 87 percent of crime, violent crime committed by men. Odd thing to put in this story because there's another way to look at this and perhaps a more accurate way. There are about 1.2 million violent crimes committed in America per year, about 1.2 million. High percentages are committed by the same people. In other words, you could have five crimes in that statistic. all committed by the same person or man, okay? We're talking crimes, not criminals. But let's be liberal on this. Let's be expansive on this for the sake of argument and just assume that 1.2 million people commit violent crime, that the 1.2 million people committing crime, 87% of which are men. Just assume that for a moment, that we're talking criminals, not crimes, okay? That would be about... 87% of that would be about 1,044,000 men committing crime. Again, arguendo, assuming each crime committed by a different person, which is not the case. In America, we have 210 million men over the age of 18. I can see what Bill's doing with his head. So at the most liberal of interpretations, 99.4% of men do not commit violent crimes. May I repeat that? Ninety nine point four percent of men, really more, do not commit violent crimes. What we know, then, is over ninety nine point four percent of adult men aren't criminals, don't engage in this kind of behavior. But of course, The Washington Post and this Wyoming woman make sure we know the other number, that almost 90 percent of crime is committed by men and not that over ninety nine percent of men do not commit violent crime because everything has to be the worst and seen through the most possibly terrible lens especially when it comes to men or a left-wing narrative. Far better for this woman to know and to have known is this statistic, one conservatives have been preaching for years, one that actually comes out of a liberal think tank, the Brookings Institute. So liberal, Nixon wanted, Richard Nixon wanted to destroy it. Here's the, the Here are the statistics, statistics that have been denounced or ignored or or buried by liberals because they represent what is derisively called middle class or white values. Graduate from high school, have a full-time job, and wait to get married until after 21 and don't have children until you are married. And you not only will not have these tales of misery, you are 98% certain not to have these tales of misery. As for children without fathers, same exact thing. The Smithsonian denounces as symbolic of white culture the idea of an intact family. But the research has been steady since 1965. To quote Professor David Popeno, the decline of marriage and the rise of fatherlessness in America remain at the center of some of the biggest problems facing the nation. Crime and violence, school failure, deaths of despair and children in poverty. As Irving Crystal once crunched it, almost two-thirds of rapists, three-quarters of adolescent murderers, and the same percentage of long-term prison inmates are young males who grew up without fathers in the house. Yet none of this is the cowboy way, and none of that should be considered toxic. Here we are, though, with a perfect picture of progressivism. I do not exaggerate. Karl Marx wrote that everything that exists deserves to perish, die. Be destroyed, And if that is too European a reference, let's go with the most famous founder of the progressive movement in America, Woodrow Wilson, who put it several times this way, quote, Our task is to make the young gentlemen of this rising generation as unlike their fathers as possible. Close quote. He said the same thing about the Declaration of Independence. Every generation should write one anew to keep up with the times. Timeless truths being the enemy of Marx, progressives, leftists, and liberals. Well, we went for heroin, we went for teen, unmarried childhood, we went for a physically abusive on-and-off-again boyfriend whose profession profession was tattoo art, and we found humans without chests, as we expected virtue and enterprise, or at least decency. None of this the fault of the cowboy, just that it all took place Somehow, where cowboys roam. Most of this is the fault to repeat of a tattoo artist. Oh, the mom has a tattoo on her forehead. Did I mention that? But men generally, and cowboy country specifically, evidently, are the problem here. Three major institutions last three years. We've talked about this before. Police, cowboys, truckers, all blotted and denigrated by the elites Oh, yes, police have long been subject to all manner of investigation and critique for years, and for the most part, okay. They are apparatuses of the state, after all, with a lot of power. But until recently, they were not group libeled as an unholy and racist institution beyond the pale of support and well within the culture's right to debase and defame and demoralize with impunity. We have had famous athletes, never mind other cultural icons, claim they have put police, put innocent bodies in the street, gotten away with murder. We have given money, fame, and credibility to those athletes who say such things, even going so far as to depict cops as pigs on their attire, only then, again, to achieve greater financial reward. The majority owner of the Phoenix Suns was fined today for sexual and racial statements. fine, but appearances at those games by Colin Kaepernick, The man who depicts cops as pigs on his attire and won't stand for the national anthem is a social and societal hero. Something's disorienting here. Cowboys. They've been taking it on the chin for some time as well. And last year, one of the most prominent and longest serving members of Congress got away with what I call a twofer, declaiming against cowboys and law enforcement all at once. You remember that distorted still still shot at border patrol agent on a horse doing his best to keep our borders safe, which means to keep our country safe. And he was using uh, he wasn't using. Yes, he was using horse reins on his horse. He was blamed for whipping immigrants. This congresswoman, Maxine Waters, unloaded, quote, what we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Cowboys with their reins again whipping black people, close quote. There were no whippings of black or any other people, by the way. Those agents have been fully exonerated. But you know what else there weren't? Any apologies for that slander. And do keep in mind, prior to last year, if you wanted to criticize a Republican president, the pejorative often used was cowboy. Think of Reagan. Think of Bush. Cowboy would do just fine. The winks and nods from the elites could always be garnered with that epithet. Just as the Washington Post winked. And nodded today. Notice, by the way, the thread here. Classic all American institutions, the kinds of heroic and mythical institutions young boys used to play and emulate and dream of growing up to be. They are now deemed toxic or racist or both. Worse than slavery, murder. And then, of course, we also had to throw in. The truckers denounced as racist, enemies of the people, enemies of commerce and freedoms, enemies of public health. There is no violent revolution needed when one by one the forces of composition in a society can be rhetorically and culturally deliberately converted into forces of decomposition. First by public conversation of thought and then by those forces subsequent weakening, collapsing or lowered value and esteem morale in their own as well as the public spheres you see destruction of heroes all over the place it's just the more violent efforts are the more noticeable think statue destruction but change the textbooks find the shibboleth most damaging in the public mind like racism or white supremacy and attach it to forces of good and decency upholding society and you can destroy not just individuals like george washington and abraham lincoln but entire social structures and building blocks of society. The other interesting thing about these three institutions, cops, cowboys, and truckers, is that their professions aren't exactly the usual target of the economic revolutionaries, the traditional or old-school Marxists. They aren't exactly the bourgeoisie. They are fairly traditional working-class professions in the old practice and parlance. Perhaps this gives new meaning to the concept of neo-Marxism or neo-Marxist. But notice who's left alone here in this same class of workers, teachers. Why do you think that is? Why are they sacrosanct? They've bought in, or at least their professional guilds have bought in, and years ago, they bought into the progressive doctrine. It's also one of the professions unlike the others in that it, A, usually requires a four-year college degree, and B, interfaces directly and daily with our youth. Isn't it interesting, too, that cowboys get to their profession by apprenticeship? And cops and truckers, while they certainly can go to college, have their own academies separate from and sometimes as alternatives to colleges. So kids no longer play cops and robbers or cowboys or cowboys and anything. And they don't don't want to grow up to be cops or cowboys anymore because a generation has turned them into un and non desiderata. The woman in The Washington Post, the woman whose sad tale of misery is portrayed, is all of age 23. It's been a long and hard life, and we feel for her, obviously. But she took in all the wrong cultural messages and lessons in life and is blaming all the right ones. So is the Washington Post and all other elite institutions. If I may paraphrase Professor John Marini, what has seemed to generations of Americans to be the American founders, heroic virtues and tragic limitations appears to the sophisticates today as mere reflections of outdated attitudes and beliefs, prejudices of a less enlightened time. Here's my wager. Someday, maybe in 10 or 20 or 30 years, this woman profiled in the Washington Post may be shown a John Ford movie like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance or any movie Western with Jimmy Stewart or John Wayne. And when she does, she will long for having met that man or that caricature, perhaps thinking, oh, that's a cowboy. How did I get this so wrong? If only I met one like that. Professor Marini puts it this way. The American Western offered an artistic and popular response to the intellectual triumph of progressivism. Progressivism in all its varieties, as Woodrow Wilson made clear, severs us from the past by asserting our fundamental superiority to all that which has gone before. The implicit premise of the Western, on the other hand, is that our fathers were in some respects better than we are. Whatever they may have left us to live down, they also gave us something to live up to. The Western restores our connection to the past by acknowledging the fullness or moral wholeness of the past. This could only be done by recognizing the possibility of true greatness of heroes in the past. And of course, there cannot be heroes without villains. The greatest directors of Western movies portrayed a world in which genuine heroes and therefore genuine villains were possible where human and American virtues and vices contended in all seriousness and the heights and depths of human behavior like the American revolution, perhaps and the legacy of slavery came into view in a way that was and is meaningful to a moral imagination and to the progressive or this 16 year old or this 23 year old or the children in adult bodies who run the Washington post, Everything beautiful needs to perish. As C.S. Lewis put it in a book very aptly titled The Abolition of Man, we continue to clamor for those very qualities we are rendering impossible. We remove the organ and demand the function. We make men without chests and expect of them virtue and enterprise. We laugh at honor and are shocked to find traitors in our midst. We castrate and bid the geldings be fruitful. Perhaps the Washington Post article essay should have been titled Not a mother's charge in cowboy country, a single mother tries to raise her boy to be a good man, but rather a mother's challenge in progressive country, a single mother tries to raise her boy to be a good man. After all, that is the real challenge. A real cowboy would have raised this boy and taken care of the woman he fell in love with, if she is capable of being fallen in love with. But her plight is not the responsibility of that absent and absentee cowboy Was nowhere in her life's picture. It is the bearing of fruit of all we've warned about, and that the Washington Post and other elites still continue to peddle and pervert. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Portions of which are brought to you by Cool Touch Air Conditioning, Heating, and Plumbing. Cooltouch.us for any air conditioning or plumbing problems you may have. I've been using them for years. My friends have. Fantastic company from customer service all the way to the actual service. You'll notice it's just different and better there. Give them a call at 623-748-4942, 623-748-4942 two for any and all of your air conditioning and plumbing needs when we come back we'll go straight to your calls don't go away we have room for more too 602-5080-960 welcome back to the seth leapson show bob is in pace and bob thanks for your patience
2: no problem seth hope you're having a wonderful
1: day of course i am i hope you are too
2: i am this past sunday I watched my first NFL football game in over two years, and it was quite nice. I didn't see one knee taken to the ground, not one. I don't know if you watched the game up; it was up in Denver and in Colorado Springs, the Air Force Academy, and they had a cadet sing the national anthem. I know you're a music lover. I don't know if you've heard that national anthem yet God bless you Bob
1: records. oh gosh that's uh, thank you for saying this thank you also for turning it out for two years um i
2: i I did I yeah. went to the game was fabulous there was a lot of patriots good and you should have heard this Air Force cadet. Thing the national. Anthem. You know, I guess exactly. I, I guess
1: I didn't. I was watching a trumpeter do a different one at a different game, but I will go and get it, Bob. Because yes, I, I love great art like that. Great, please, I please,
2: will. please, and, and tell everyone about that tomorrow. Okay. Anyway, after the game, I was kind of channel surfing. I hit a channel by mistake, and I think I came up with Channel 102 in Phoenix. I don't even know if there is a Channel 102. But oh, with the cables, they're
1: all off. But, yeah, I, I get you. What I, I know what you mean. It was probably, yeah. Okay, go ahead.
2: And they had a commentator interviewing Senator Mark Kelly.
1: Yeah, 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 so yeah. This was the, uh, Politics Unplugged, I think you're referencing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that might be. Yeah, don't know the I think it's a production he, of
1: Channel 3 and 5. Yeah.
2: Anyway, he asked Kelly at least six questions. And you know what, Kelly, I didn't realize, Kelly is very slick. He did not answer one of the six questions, but he also he never lied about anything. He also went on some sort of tangent. For example, he asked Senator Kelly, if President Biden came to Arizona, would you want him to visit you and support your campaign? Kelly came back with a couple ones I don't remember, and he said, well, if I'm not in Washington, D.C., supporting the, my constituents in Arizona. I might like to come and see, but I'm very busy and Washington is <laughs> very often. Never, never <laughs> answered the question. Again.
1: Yeah, this is a piece of audio going around from that show. Um, see if oh, this... Right. I, I, yeah, I got a, I got a piece. Hold on, hold on, Bob. Let's see if I can get this to go.
0: Kelly is... Flipped. What are your thoughts on his job? Has he done a good job, do you think? Hey, uh, you know, I...
1: You know, uh, I... First of all, it's not my job to give him a report card. That's he's talking talking about Biden. It's not his job to give him a report card to ditch the question. Well, yeah, (laughs) uh, (laughs) you're either voting for his agenda or you aren't. You either support him as your president, as you don't, or you don't.
2: He ditched every question, Seth. And by the way, you were talking about uh, Carrie Lake a, mi- a minute ago, not debating, what's her name? Uh, Katie Hobbs uh, you know not debating
1: that? Carrie Lake, yeah. No, Carrie Lake has said, <laughs> I'll debate anytime, anywhere. <laughs> Katie Hobbs not well, debating me, Carrie Lake, right.
2: Let me, is it against Hoyle's rules if hey, Katie Hobbs is having an event somewhere? Can Carrie Lake show up and start to debate in person?
1: Well, I don't know why not, but I wouldn't recommend it, quite honestly, because, you know, the idea of a debate is actually a neutral format. Now, you know, the way these debates goes, even the word neutral is is, is a stretch, but I, I just wouldn't recommend it uh, I, because I think what we need to do is highlight the fact that Katie Hobbs... Is afraid to share her views with a nonpartisan audience, with a political, um, with the political observers whose votes she's trying to represent. Now, Katie Hobbs is someone who has called Republicans fascists. She has called Republicans fascists. She doesn't, um, she doesn't want to have to be confronted with her record. But I got to tell you, Bob, this is I think the first governor's gubernatorial candidate who has refused to do a public um, moderate, publicly moderated debate. And the idea, the lie that she's telling, the lie that she's telling is she doesn't want to grace the stage or give a microphone to Carrie Lake for her to spread her message uh, of whatever she's criticizing her message with. It's a total lie. Katie Hobbs wouldn't debate her Democratic primary opponent, who was no slouch, by the way. Uh, Lopez, he was no slouch, former mayor uh, down in Nogales and a real estate developer. She refused to debate within her own party. Do you know why, Bob? She's really, really, really not up to the job. Let me be more clear. She's really, really, really dumb. Really dumb. And not just on the merits, but as a matter of politics. The liberal media, which wants to support Katie Hobbs, has been on a four-week tear against Katie Hobbs. That's how politically dumb she is. She doesn't, she, doesn't, she doesn't want to face any public scrutiny or public questioning at all. Carrie Lake would wipe the floor with her and build a new house over her. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show portions, of which are brought to you by my friends at Y-Refi. If you are looking for a remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They're offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure, collateralized portfolio. A due diligence approved firm, Y-Refi are investors who do really well by doing good for others. And you can be part of that, too. Check them out at investyrefi.com. The word invest, the letter Y, -Y R-E-F-Y.com, investyrefi.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087. Tina's in Star Valley. Hello, Tina.
3: Hi, and uh, a shout-out to my friend Bob from Payson.
1: Oh, good. I'm glad you guys know each other.
3: (laughs) Got to be my neighbor, right? I would
1: imagine. Well, we're all neighbors, aren't we?
3: Yes, we are, but uh, we're we're we have the more of the propinquity.
1: Yes, physical propinquity, <laughs> yes. if you want alliteration. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah.
3: Yeah. First of all, your monologue was fantastic. Thanks. I thank you so much, and I I, I hear these stories about these. No, oh, gosh, they're they're mentally disturbed people. And their victimhood is such on a, an Olympian level. Yeah, yeah you're you know? talking about that
1: Washington Post profile, a young girl. I, they're profiling yeah. her. She's 23, uh, got, oh. got pregnant at 16, and has, has lived a life of uh, poverty, uh, uh, physical abuse, and uh, heroin and fentanyl addiction at eight, all, all now at the age of twenty three. Yeah, yeah, It's uh, very yeah. sad. Yeah, and very it's
3: all sad. the it's all the fault of cowboys. Yeah, because she because
1: right? this happened in yeah. cowboy country. Cowboy right. country. Not a single cowboy right. is in the story. However,
3: yeah, no, it was. If it there was were excellent. one, we
1: wouldn't have the story. Probably,
3: right? <laughs> That's correct. And uh, just uh, that, you know, kudos again. And I uh, just had lunch with Alan Corwin up here. Oh in yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's an old friend, and uh, we were talking about you, as you know, as, uh, both in admiration. He said, "This is his phrase," and I, I really think it's true. He said, "You are the deli- the David going against the Goliath."
1: That you are. That said, you, Tina, are. It, <laughs> He's no, what, no, not me. You, <laughs> Seth. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Oh my goodness
3: gracious! I'm one of I'm one of the stones. Okay, oh my I'm goodness gracious! Ra- yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the what? Five
1: stones? Five stones? I think. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, and
3: and we were at a Wendy Rogers luncheon, so it was.
1: You know, uh, first of all, you guys are too kind, both of you, all of you are too kind (laughs) to say that. But one of the interesting things that's uh, about that David and Goliath story, I think I'm right about this. There are people in the audience, including you, who know this story much better than I do. But one of the interesting things about that story is, am I not right that David had to fight Goliath because the king, in this case Saul, refused to? was too cowardly too. That's to. what
3: I that's how I remember it. Yeah. I,
1: I, yeah, I, that's I an to, important to message for us. You know, we may yeah. have leaders, they may even be saintly, but sometimes we have to we have to be the ones to, to show the girth. We have to be the ones to show up the martial virtues and show them what fighting really is.
3: Absolutely, and you know this is why I uh, uh, and of course, if Bob is listening uh, and if he's one of the few subscribers to the Payson Roundup, I just opened up my my edition um, from Tuesday uh, today, and uh, it's just full of of uh, leftist bile, which you know here in Payson is so uh, bizarre, but that's how our paper has gone. And so I've been writing letters to our paper trying to be, you know, one of the stones or maybe the little David of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it just, you know, it is true. We all have to stand up. And I heard a lady tell me the other day, well, I don't think I'm going to vote in the next election. I'm so, I mean, I tried not to jump down her throat. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Yep. 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 I tried not to jump down her her throat, but that was my response.
1: What is her reasoning for not wanting to vote?
3: Well, you know, I just don't like the way that the fight is going. And I'm like, it's not about her. It's
1: not about her.
3: I uh, thank you and I I think I turned her. I don't I, care I quoted, what she um, likes.
1: We're trying to yeah, save a thanks. country here.
3: Right. And I said, it was an ancient Roman, I can't remember who, but I love this quote, you may not take an interest in politics, but politics will always take an interest uh-huh, in you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I said, so if you don't vote, you're going to be the victim, and you're not going to be able to join the Victim Olympics on my team.
1: Nice. Nice.
3: Yeah, and, y- and then we, we, we had lunch together. Aw.
1: <laughs> Well, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. And of course, all civil with more civility than my expression communicated. But I I really have I have to tell you, Tina, very little patience for people who personalize these elections. Uh, First of all, um, since when do we put personalities over principles in no sane society, I know do we put person that that that's a cult of personality. That's a dictatorship, that's a tyranny. That's what they do. We don't yeah. do that here. We're here to fight for and save a country. and I don't I, I don't I don't care what you probably the most saintly man person who ever served as the president, at least in our lifetime, probably if you're looking for a saint, it's probably, on a personal level, it's probably Jimmy Carter. It's probably uh, Jimmy you, Carter. Exactly. What did that get you? What did that oh. do for you? What did that get the I world? Lived, what did I that lived get through? To the, it. it was r- yeah,
3: yeah. It was it was it was beyond dreadful. I mean, I lived through that the, the debacle. Yeah, and he was such a good man. Yeah,
1: that's my point. That's my point. Yeah. Get over exactly. this personality business, and I don't care if yeah. someone's not your particular taste. Pick an ideology, yeah. because as you put it, Tina. That ideology will pick on you if you're not careful. Right. It will pick on you. The worst a conservative or Republican wants to do to you is leave you alone. That is far, far, far cry from what the liberal or Democrat wants to do to you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And as we had this luncheon for Wendy Rogers and Ellen and I were – sitting next to each other, snarking back and forth. Uh, <laughs> the Democrats were next door having their meeting. It was so funny, you know, in, a, in the same restaurant. And uh, there was a guy standing at the door as they poured out of the room. They weren't pouring out of the room. They were trickling out because there weren't a whole lot of them. Um, but they, he, he was standing, and I went up to him, and I said, you're guarding us against the Democrats? And he smiled, and he said, well, I am guarding.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because
3: they've gone, they've gone feral.
1: Oh, yes, they have. Oh, yes, yep. they have. They have called yep. you fascists. They have called you white supremacists. Yep. They have called you enemies of the people. They have called you threats to the Constitution. The truth yep. is, if you boil down anything they have stood for over the last three to five years, five years, let's say, if anything they have stood for over the last five years, those labels are accurate. It's just about themselves. It's about exactly. themselves. I don't know that it's projection, but it's certainly gaslighting, and they know it. They know it.
3: Yep, yep, it hey. is, and it, it's getting worse. It's getting more polarized, yep. and and the people who are really mentally ill, and you know, and and can't even uh, think straight, are being pulled to their side. Of like course,
1: magnets. of course, that's right. Of course, that's right. I abso- I have so much to say about this, but Tina, you said it. You said it. God bless you. God love you. Thank you to you and Alan, of course, for the overly uh, undeserved, generous comment. Thank you both. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Portions of this show brought to you by the good people at Balance of Nature. They make a great product, Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies I take every single day. They will boost your energy, your immunity, your overall health with pure, potent plant power. Take it once a day. You are good to go. 100% natural, nothing added, including no sugar, artificial sweeteners, or anything. It's just the fruits and veggies that they use their unique cold press process to preserve in capsules. You simply take once a day. You won't need weeks or months to know if it's working. You'll know right away, and it will work. How could it not? Take it every day. Balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies. Uh, Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. I learned a long time ago that when it's seemingly difficult to move people on a political issue, even when it touches children or affects or involves children, Um, you will move them if you do cats and dogs. If something affects cats and dogs, pets, household pets, domesticated animals, people are moved in a way that not even harm to children moves them. It's a little weird, it's a little perverse, but it's there. For those of you that are having a hard time communicating the horror of our border uh, and border policy, uh, go to foxnews.com today and check out this article It ought to move even the coldest stone hearted of people. I'll give you the headlines. The headline. Migrants killing dogs. Stealing from homes prompts some Texas border town residents to arm themselves. They are arming themselves on the border to protect their dogs and cats, which are being stolen and worse killed. I think we should care about the human element. I've always thought humans had a different position in this world, but I love animals. And for those who love animals more than humans, try this story on them and see if it moves them over at FoxNews.com, Don't go away. We'll be right back with uh, a long and what I hope to be not long, uh, an extended and what I hope to be deeply uh, moving uh, interview with Stanley Kurtz on Marxism in higher education. I'm Seth. Be right back.